Hello, everybody, and welcome to planttherapy.live. Uh, I'm your host, Ray. And I'm Pache. And we're here live for our first uh, first podcast. So uh, pretty exciting things happening uh, right now with Woo. the launch of <laughs> the website and, uh, you know, with uh, us finally getting the ability to record these shows and we're just uh, basically trying to, um, you know, get some information out there with regards to uh, um, cannabis and what it's done for, for us on multiple different levels and um, just engage in some conversation about production and kind of some of the challenges that, uh, you know, can surface when you're attempting to grow your own and, you know, lots of uh, struggles out there and we just wanted to get a forum together and uh, get together once a week and start to share our experiences. Um, you've been doing a little bit of growing there, uh, Pache? Uh, as of recently, so I've been growing for less than a year and Wow, it has been uh, quite a journey. I've never grown anything before in my life. Um, so to sort of get up and get running and become self-sustaining, it's been uh, it's been pretty exciting and a little bit scary at the beginning, of course. Um, you know, I always have very high expectations, uh, high expectations, uh, and I really wanted to grow something that was high quality um and yeah, i didn't really care about the yield or how much i got anything like that i just cared about how good it was and uh so i ran into some struggles and then i had to reach out for a lifeline luckily you were there and uh you got me to the finish line and got some butt in the bag yeah, and uh, you know we'll we'll get into uh, some of the struggles and and things that that you had and how we work through those. Um, you know, so that was your first grow that you completed. Then you had another little mini grow behind that. I did. So that one, uh, my first grow, I grew four plants um, in a five by five indoor, and then uh, my second grow, I grew two plants uh, in the same five by five tent, and um, you know I yielded almost the same. Uh, the same in both grows, um, about close to 700 grams the first grow and uh, six, a little over 640 grams the second grow. And yeah, so I've been impressed. Yeah, absolutely. And to pull in numbers like that, uh, you know, when you're first getting into it, the, you know, anybody will tell you that that is successful. So kudos to you because um, it wasn't looking good there for a little while, but we'll get into talking how we, we got you back on track. Myself personally, um, you know, I've grown a, a lot of plants, um, both indoor and uh, outdoor. Um, familiar with some different techniques that um, people may not be familiar with, uh, and we'll get into some of that. But uh, I did my first grow back in 2006, and uh, you know, it was uh, one of those things. I just ended up with a with a bunch of seeds and some cannabis that I had purchased, and uh, went in and. And, and popped a bunch of them at the same time and, you know, had uh, some success. I had some loss to rabbits and had some males and uh, had some theft that took place from uh, from somebody. So, you know, my very first one, it put me, uh, it gave me a lot of different curveballs. Uh, so right from the very beginning, you know, um, I was kind of learning how to deal with adversity uh, and keep pushing forward and 
that kind of remain consistent, you know, as the years went on. Um, I have another friend that uh, we, we did a considerable amount of grows together, um, you know, won't mention his name, but, uh, you know, he taught me a lot with regards to redundancy and always having a plan B and always, you know, try to deal with things before they kind of happened. Because uh, I always haven't always had the ability to be able to go and check on the plants every single day. Uh, and give them the care that they require. So, um, you know, uh, again, we'll, we'll drill into some more of these finer details. Purpose of this uh, episode was for, you know, you and I to get together and introduce ourselves and talk a little bit about our history and kind of um, what we're going to do on some of these uh, episodes moving forward. So, um, you know, um, you had some challenges there, uh, Pache, as you did yours. Do you want to just quickly go through some of the uh, some of the problems that you ran into? Uh, well, I popped four seeds, and one of them they grew the first set of leaves, and then that was it. Uh, they didn't grow anymore. Uh, so the other three are growing along, and I'm waiting for the fourth one to sort of catch up. And nothing's happening. And so I'm starting to get a little worried. And uh, it turns out it that was it. I, the genetics said it wasn't going any further. So I had to make a decision very quickly. Um, do I run with three? Or do I pop another one and have that be a week behind? And, uh, and just deal with it on the back end, which is the way I end up going. And... Yeah, so the first three, the original three, and I called them the Golden Girls, and uh, and, and so I named them all uh, accordingly. And um, yeah, so Rose, Blanche, and Sophia, uh, they were the original three, and they ended up getting some pretty serious um, calcium and magnesium deficiencies. Um, I didn't know it at the time. I just knew that they were getting spots. And they weren't as green as I was sort of expecting them to. They were a little light green, maybe even a little yellow in spots. And but I, I noticed. And it, it, what's that? But you you were given them calcium and magnesium at the time, if I remember correctly. So at the very beginning, I wasn't um, because I was just sort of going by the the grow shop um, close by, and uh, I don't know. I, I think they might have when they gave me advice, I think they might not have fully listened or understood the, the issue to begin with. Um, Cause they were telling me, you know, uh, cut back on your nutrients. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not really giving them nutrients. I'm just watering them and they're just using the, uh, the nutrients in the soil. And that's been a while now. So I, I feel like that's not the answer. And then, so that's when I reached out to you and I, I knew I was going to need CalMag at some point because of all the videos I've been watching. Um, but I had ordered it and it was the first thing that, that arrived. And cause I was using a, a compost tea and I started adding the cow mag in. Um, but then when you got me on the uh, nutrient system, uh, then I, I understood the structure or the system of feeding. Uh, I know we'll get into systems later, but, um, yeah, so <clears throat> I ran into a bunch of uh, issues with the calcium and magnesium magnesium deficiencies, uh, but I got the plants on a, a regular schedule. I got I was I didn't understand flushing. I, I did just didn't know what I was doing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so once you got me on the, the Diablo nutrients as a feeding system, um, my world changed. Every they started to rebound. 
And then they started to fill up the scrognet that uh, you told me to set up. And uh, I, and I could still, I, I couldn't picture it. I couldn't picture what the next steps were, which was a bit of a, a challenge. Um, but you got me through, man. So I appreciate it. No, n- no problem at all. And, uh, you know, it, it's a great time for us to talk about uh, the fact that we're not sponsored here uh, oh, yeah. at Plant Therapy at all. Uh, so we're going to mention some specific products that we've used that we can give uh, real reviews on, stuff that works, stuff that hasn't worked. Um, but, you know, we're going to come up with some some names here uh, <laughs> as we move on. And I just want to, you know, make it very clear to uh, anybody that may be listening that uh, we are not sponsored here in any way by any company. So, um, but yeah, Diablo nutrients, you know, that's, uh, another topic of conversation. And not that we're not <laughs> they, opposed to being sponsored. Hey, if there are sponsors <laughs> out there listening, give us a call. <laughs> but the thing is, yeah. if you give us money and your product is crap, we're going to tell everybody your product is crap. And we're going to thank you very much for the, uh, the sponsorship. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I would like to think that the rest of the world would work that way, but we we all know it doesn't. <laughs> but we're definitely going to keep it real here for sure. And um, you know, so to, just to kind of get back on track here, so I mean, yeah, as you have your grows, I mean, it's not just. Uh, I don't think there's really anybody that does it effortlessly and doesn't have any issues moving along, right? But once you work through those ish- issues. Um, you know, you uh, can have some success. And I mean, you, you did talk about your success here and, uh, you know, you were able to, uh, to pull some fantastic numbers uh, out of a four by, out of a five by five tent, um, you know, with one light and uh, with four plants, those numbers are fantastic. And I can remember setting the expectations with you uh, before you harvested, you know, much lower. So when you come in, um, you know, uh, with, with that amount, uh, super impressive. And then um, I'll let everybody know, you know, he, he drove to my house uh, after that and uh, delivered me some. And it's been fantastic. Um, you know, 10 out of 10. Uh, it's something that, um, you know, you can tell there was a lot of care put into it. And, you know, um, having him be able to be self-sufficient for a little bit of time and be able to uh, let me... Uh, try a little bit of it as well. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, so, you know, that continues and uh, forever thankful for that. Um, and then, of course, you went and uh, after you were finished, I mean, the harvest was one thing. Um, didn't you get into making some sort of um, bubble hash or something, uh, Pache? I did. Um, so I don't want to waste anything part of the plant, really. So I've been watching videos on uh, making bubble hash. And I thought it was really super interesting. And so I gave that a try. Um, and yeah, and it was successful. Uh, it worked. Um, so I had my first grow and I made uh, made some bubble hash. It was uh, an awesome experience. I've got some videos. We'll, we'll end up talking more about that in detail. Um, but I'm just about to finish off the last of the bubble hash. And uh, I have everything from my second grow ready uh, for the next round of, uh, of trichrome washing. (laughs) I love it. I I love it. And I mean, yeah, that's the thing, right? You go through all this trouble to go through all the phases and, um, you know, wasting anything at the end. I, I, I don't think anybody ever wants to be in a situation to do that, but having the ability to, um, you know, remove the trikes that are left on um, what some people would deem as waste and from the bud trim. And if you're lucky, uh, getting trikes off of the fan leaves as well. 
um, you know, but being able to, to harvest, uh, you know, that stuff and make hash or make RSO or, uh, some, and what's some RSO extract. again? Well, you know, Rick Simpson oil basically is the, uh, is the, the term, um, the extract you know, from the plant. Yeah. I mean, basically just using isopropyl alcohol to extract the remaining trichromes. Right. Okay. Um, and then the alcohol is evaporated off and you're left with, uh, with with the trikes and, and for those that don't in know an oil form. uh trichromes um they are the magic they are what you seek as a uh a cannabis consumer um and we'll get more into detail i guess on trichromes uh, at some point but um that's what it's all about Absolutely. I mean, uh, all of the medicine is stored, well, most of the medicine is stored in the trichromes and, you know, they um, mature and uh, break down uh, as time goes on. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people that, that grow that, you know, measure when to harvest by looking at uh, red hairs, you know, on the plant to see how many red hairs they have and, and harvest based upon that. Um, it's a lot of the old school growers are people that just don't have all of the information available, but, um, you know, it, it depends. You're kind of in control, right? Um, you can check your trichromes and depending on the maturity and depending on, uh, the current state, they have different effects. So if you're looking for a, a product for you specifically that you're going to be able to have in the daytime and, uh, you know, not get burnt out and keep wanting to move through your day, then you can kind of have a little bit of control over that. Um, you know, when, when you harvest. So, um, you know, you purchased a, uh, microscope on, uh, Amazon, if I remember Pache. Yes. I, uh, I purchased, a, a one that I could really get down and see at the microscopic level and I could take videos and things like that. Um, because I really wanted to understand like my first strain, my, the first grow, it was white widow. And I grew and I harvested it after 60 days. So the trichromes were, you know, let's say 5% or 10% amber, um, moving from a cloudy to an amber um, transition. And as they degrade, more amber would, would occur. And as they degrade and more amber occurs, uh, you get that more sedated couch lock effect. And so I grew a bunch and harvested at 60 days. And then I uh, harvested a bunch at 65 days. And so I just allowed the trichromes to um, a little bit more degradation. So the second harvest has a little bit more amber trichromes in them. Um, so I'm expecting a little bit more of a sedated couch lock, uh, nighttime, not going to be doing anything, going to be going to bed in a couple hours kind of thing. And then there's... Um, there's some that I have that I've harvested, you know, like, like I said, at the 60 day mark. And that's sort of what I like to do. Like if it's a, a Sunday morning or something like that, and I'm, I'm looking at, um, you know, economics lectures or something like ridiculous on YouTube, or I'm going down a rabbit hole of, uh, of videos. Uh, I might like to something like that where I'm sort of upbeat and feel energetic, or if I'm looking to putter around in the garden or out in the yard, um, I'll take some of the, the white widow that I grew at and harvested at 60 days and still have lots of energy and lots of get up and go. And it makes me feel uh, great, actually very positive. And you know, the, 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 this is great stuff, right? Cause a lot of people, I don't know if they really realize it yet. Right. Um, but you know, maturity and, and strain, 
um, can have those different effects. And, and again, we'll drill deep into these topics, right? Um, as we get through what, what I really wanted to do was kind of give our listeners, um, an overview of what's to come, you know, in the future, in the next coming weeks, in the next six months, right? Um, so, you know, we're going to get into talking about tents. Um, you recently purchased a couple of tents. Myself, I recently purchased a couple and have purchased some over the years. So, um, you know, that can be a big, uh, big tool for the home grower. Um, you know, um, allows you to maintain, you know, a certain environment uh, in the tent and uh, have it kind of controlled so you can create the proper environment for your plants. Um, so you recently purchased uh, two you said, uh, Pache? Yeah, I have a five by five and that's what I started with. And I, that's what I used for my first grow. And then I bought, um, a three by three. And so I'm using one as a veg chamber, um, for the vegetative stage of the plant's life. And then I'm using the other, uh, larger tent as the, <clears throat> as the flowering chamber. And then, that way I can sort of have a, a little bit of a consistency. Um, I can always have both tents filled. And as I empty the flowering chamber, it's going to be uh, taking the plants from the veg. And so then I'll be looking at when I pop my next seed. So I'll always have a nice um, system, one coming after the other, one crop coming after the other. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a, that again, that's a huge key for the home grower, right? Because if you're somebody that just purchases one tent and pops four seeds and grows four seeds, you know, you're going to be um, a month of the seedling stage, you know, getting into early veg, couple of weeks veg. Um, by the time you're said and done, it's probably going to be four months, maybe a little more than four months. Um, before you actually get a harvest, right? Um, then you, you know, uh, reset and, and go again. Uh, and following that method, you know, you'll probably get yourself three harvests per year. Um, but, you know, having a two-tent uh, system like you're describing there, and my myself, I have a two-tent system, which uh, we'll get into detail on, but that allows us to, uh, you know, potentially get five, almost six harvests per year, um, so this is going to be great conversations and how we do that, um, you know, and how we increase the, the amount of cannabis we can produce, uh, over time using these, uh, efficient systems are going to be great, uh, conversations. Um, you know, myself personally, I'm using a combination for vegetative growth. I'm using a led light, um, which we'll get into detail on. Uh, and I'm using a HPS for flowering. That's still the old school in me, but. Um, there's other reasons I chose, uh, HPS for my application, uh, which again, we'll get into, um, and you yourself, Paul, you went with, um, you went with, uh, LED. I went LED all the way. Well, I was just setting up my, my grow. So I just could, I could afford one quality light. Um, and so I went with the best I could afford. And uh, do you want to go ahead and uh, release uh, what light that was and talk a little bit about w what it was exactly that made you choose it? Sure. So now keep in mind, these uh, these folks are not sponsoring us in any way. Um, this is just my, what my research found. Um, but I went with a Spider Farmer SF4000. And so that's a quantum board. And hang on, I'll, let me just bring up uh, a photo of it. And here we go. Okay. 
And you'll have to share your yeah. screen there as well. There we are. We got it up and running. So that's the Spider Farmer 4000 that I have. And uh, so it really is perfect for um, the 5x5 tent. And this is all I needed for my grow. This was it. And so this was less than, definitely less than $1,000. I think it was around $800. Uh, so it was a pretty expensive outlay at the beginning. And um, and that's why I, I only went with the one. I wasn't buying two. <laughs> no, that's right. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, LED technology has come a long way, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm from what you would consider the, the older school, I guess. And, uh, you know, it was always metal halide and, uh, and HPS and that's the stuff that worked the best. Um, you know, I've also grown with CFLs, uh, which we can talk about on another episode. And I had a little bit of success with that, but it was fun to play around. Um, you know, you don't have to grow big monster trees. Um, you, you can do things on a very small scale and, um, you know, so, um, but HBS has always been my go-to. I followed the technology of the LEDs, um, uh, you know, as time has went on, um, way back in the day, I used to follow on the, uh, on the, the grow sites, the cannabis grow sites that were online at the time. Um, people that were experimenting with, uh, diodes, LED diodes, and, uh, to see where we've come in all of this time has been absolutely fantastic. I know Samsung is making a, uh, world, uh, class LED chip, um, you know, and that's the popular one that that's happening. So, uh, I know you got a spider farmer one. Um, that's the, you know, the name brand, but at the end of the day, um, a lot of the components are, are, are the same components that are, that are used on other, um, LED lights that don't have the same name. And again, we'll get into breaking that stuff down because it's interesting, uh, when you just take a look at the components of, uh, of the equipment and, and who they're made by and who, what other companies sell them under a different name. And the prices can actually be, um, much different, but what are you sharing on your screen there now? Well, I was just sharing uh, the light, and so here's a little close-up of, of the diodes. So, and um, this is a full-spectrum light, if I remember correctly? It is. A, it's a, a full-spectrum, and what's interesting about this light is it it pushes the edges of the spectrum. Um, it seems to have a little bit more of the the blues and the reds, and I I follow uh, a professor in the states, and he's licensed by the government to do research on uh, on medical marijuana, and so I find him very interesting. He 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 talks over my head quite a bit, but from what I'm able to grasp. Um, you know, he, uh, he talks about, he, he's got a, quite a lot of videos and he talks about the spectrum and he feels that the, the industry has probably ignored parts of the light spectrum and lights that are pushing that envelope are showing great success. Um, so yeah, you know, that's this what <laughs> this light and, and other spider farmer lights, you know, there's a lot of hype online. I'm in some of the groups and uh, there's a lot of people having success. So, um, you know, but it's not, it's not just in the light. 
right? You know, the, it, it's in the grower too, and how you um, maximize, um, you know, and, and provide what your plant needs so you can maximize your your end yield is a big factor. And you know, having a good light is a good starting point, right? Because that's going to allow you to uh, hit your, your your other metrics there to bring everything home. So, um, you know, great light, and uh, you know, there there are other ones as well. I'm I'm using a um, a light that contains the same diodes uh, as your light and contains the same driver as your light as a vegetative light uh, in a two by two. And um, that light uh, cost me just a little over a hundred dollars. It wasn't a big purchase. So, uh, and it's been, it's been rock solid for me so far. I'm super impressed. It's done everything that I've needed it to do. Um, So, you know, more to come on that one. What are you sharing there? So this is the first grow uh, of the Golden Girls when they were uh, just transplanted from a solo cup into, uh, I went from a solo cup into a five gallon right away. Uh, I didn't know any better and I was afraid of transplanting. I had never done it before. So I just wanted to do it the once and and if they survived, then great. I'll, (laughs) you know, I'll be more adventurous on the second one, which I was. And um, yeah, so this is just, the Golden Girls under the nice. uh, under under the LED light. It's so the light is so thin. It's amazing. I um I was expecting I could if the plants got really big, um I could go really high up into the tent. Yeah, um, a- absolutely. Lo- lots of room to go there. Um, the you know th- that brings up another topic: a soil, right? Um. It looks like what you're using in, in in that photograph was actually like a soilless mixture, is what they call that, right? That's your, you know, your perlite, your vermiculite, your peat moss, and and whatnot. Um, what uh, what kind of soil were you showing there in in them pots? Well, what I did was I used a mixture of uh, a sun grow mix, which was mostly peat moss and perlite, and then I mixed it with. Um, Uh, ocean forest fox farm uh, soil which is talked about quite often in the do-it-yourself grows that i've read online seems to be very popular high in a lot of um, ocean type materials like crab meal and things like that and 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 let me stop you there that's the reason why right because a lot of this other stuff doesn't have any additives um, and Fox Farm, right? That's one of the reasons that it's so popular is because it actually does contain nutrients that will sustain the plant for the first month. So that, you know, that person that's gr- new, that's grown for the very first time, you know, if they read that stuff online, it's like, oh, hey, try this stuff. Look at my plants after after the first 30 days. And uh, that's what drives business to them for sure. Um, the problems start to occur and it happens to a lot of people after that month is up, they're not prepared. They have no, they haven't been prepared up until that point to know that a nutrient deficiency is right around the corner because that stuff doesn't last in the soilless mix forever, right? Um, And and that starts to create a lot of problems for people um, because they don't do the appropriate research in the beginning to know uh, that, um, you know, the plant does need food to to continue to grow at at a good pace. Well, not only that, I ran into something else. Um, not only did I run into the calcium and magnesium deficiency, uh, but once I got over that, I was really struggling with, uh, the pH of my soil. And I come to find out after a lot of research online that Fox Farm, the ocean forest stuff seems to have that issue where the, the soil pH is very, very low. 
And so I end up having to add lime to, um, to my plants in order to try to get, cause my, my readings, my runoff when I measured, which, uh, which is something that you advised me to do. Um, mm-hmm. I, I knew what the pH going in was. And so the pH coming out was really low. It was, you know, the low fives. And, um, and that was not right because my, my plants weren't going to be uptaking the necessary nutrients at that, at that level. So I started adding lime, um, and, and it worked. It, it finally got my, my plants pH soil up and the green just came back to the leaves. It was, it was amazing. So now I'm like, okay, next grow, you need to add lime ahead of time. And, um, yeah. And you, you found something that worked in that situation, right? Um, you know, you, you dealt with the, with, with the issue after it arose. Yeah. Um, key takeaway, right. Is you don't have to get in that situation in the beginning. And that's, that's a big piece that a lot of people miss in the beginning. Um, when you, when you, uh, water your plants, um, you're supposed to allow 20% of the water that goes in the top to come out the bottom each time you water. Uh, and, and there's a reason for that because as the root system is, is eating the, the nutrients that are available, there is a byproduct excrement, I guess, that happens uh, with that. And, it, and it's m- much like a salt. And that salt will build up around the roots and build up in the in the bottom of the pot, uh, and that will start to really change the pH of um, uh, of the substrate that you have your um, you know your root system is in, uh, and lots of problems can start right because you're feeding your plant, and the, I know this is true in your case, uh, Pache. Um, you're feeding your plant, you're following the rules, you're mixing the stuff, you're feeding it on time, but yet it still shows a deficiency. Uh, and that deficiency is occurring because that root system no longer has the ability to update those nutrients because of the pH problem that's starting to happen in the soil. Um, right. And so that can cause a lot of problems and it is frustrating, right? Because you, you think that, uh, you've identified what the deficiency is and you might try upping, you know, the amount of uh, food, maybe it's nitrogen, whatever, uh, and, uh, on the next watering and it, and it doesn't get any better. It gets, starts to get worse. Right. And then that's when it starts to feel like everything's crumbling down, um, because you have nowhere to go from there. And, you know, that's consistent with your experience, right? It took us a little bit of time, you know, when you first said to me, Hey, Hey, here's a picture. What does this look like? My, my response was it's either asking for this or it's not getting this because of a pH deficiency. Um, you know, so we're right from the very beginning because it's just a, you know, classic nitrogen deficiency, but if you're giving it nitrogen, then there's another problem, right? So, yeah. And I remember I was adding so much CalMag. It was ridiculous. I, I was probably adding enough CalMag for a tree and, um, but it just, it, no matter how, it didn't matter how much I was adding to it, to the soil, the, uh, the roots were only able to uptake what was in that pH range, which I was never hitting. Exactly. Um, you know, and then once, you know, we got into flushing that salt out of there, you know, things started to really turn around. And as you can see by the picture on the screen there, they really did turn around for you. Um, myself personally, uh, I'm growing in hydro. Uh, in a DWC system. Um, and what's and DWC again, for the folks that don't know? Uh, direct water culture. So it's um, something I dabbled with uh, over the years, but uh, this time around, um, it just seemed like the right fit because of the, the situation that I have uh, for growing. So uh, I don't get a chance to see my plants uh, every day. So 
having a DWC system allows the plants to just, you know, drink <laughs> when they need it. Uh, and uh, then I can pop in every couple of days and uh, and monitor the pH and, and top up the water. So and you have some cool gadgets more- that allow you to sort of monitor everything from afar too. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, just, um, I, I have uh, a lot of smart plugs. I have, um, you know, cameras set up in the, uh, in, in the tents, in the corners. So I can, um, pop in on the, the plants and talk to them at any time. Uh-huh, um, that's very you know, sweet. <laughs> monitor the conditions. Uh, if there's a problem, I have the ability to, you know, turn things on or off. Maybe the humidity is getting too high. I can control the dehumidifier. Um, it's amazing. The, it's getting too cold. I can control the heat. Uh, and then I have, um, an, uh, ink bird system with a, uh, little device, uh, sensor router, if you will, uh, set up in my flowering tent, uh, with some sensors. Uh, so they monitor the temperature and the humidity in both tents. Uh, and it oh. gives me the ability to download the information into Excel oh, so nice. I can monitor long-term trends, um, which has been absolutely fantastic. And if something goes With wrong, the, you can sort of go back and look and see what happened over the last it, few days. Exactly. And it allows you to set schedules for other things to be, you know, exactly where you need them to be. Okay. Um, and, and then the, the best feature uh, was the alarm system, because um, if something happens, say um, one of your plugs doesn't turn on and your humidity gets above 63%, it'll alarm your phone to let you know that something's out of whack and uh, then you can start to take action. Right. So it's been a great little system uh, and we'll, we'll get more into depth into all the specifics of it. Cause I'm sure there's people, um, you know, that can use that information, um, you know, and uh, I see you're sharing. That's the classic, uh, what do they call it? The, uh, the temperature controller for the, what fan is that now? Uh, it's uh, an AC, AC infinity. infinity. Yeah, and it yeah. monitors temperature and humidity uh, like you were just describing. And uh, I found it so valuable. It just Yeah, I, I picked one up myself on, on your on your um, review, uh, Pache, when you, when you told me how awesome it was. Um, you know, I did pick it up. I'm definitely uh, using it. I, I have some complaints about it, though. Um, I, I didn't feel like it was as auto as... Uh, you know, as they, they said it was, um, I come to find that the software that they use to program the uh, controls for the temperature uh, and humidity are off. Um, and when I went to kind of research that on the internet, I found a whole group of other people that were suffering of the same thing. Now, I'm not saying that it's not a good piece of equipment because it is, uh, and, um, the touch controls and the LCD display to mount on the outside of the tent are great because you can monitor those uh, conditions with the sensor without disturbing the plant or throwing your CO2 off, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. Um, but I just didn't find like you could set the humidity to this or set the temperature to that. And, and it would, uh, do, uh, you know, everything automatically. It just, uh, didn't work that way. You know, that's, in, that's a really interesting thing. I didn't know that. Um, and now, now that you say that, because I did notice, because I also put hygrometers that measure the temperature and the humidity, um, I measure I put them inside the tent as well um, and outside the tent and basically everywhere. Cause I'm just, I'd rather have the data and then data mine it later. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so I did notice a discrepancy. So if I had set the humidity at, um, you know, to, to turn on at 60%, um, it might be, it might turn on when it says 60% on the AC infinity sensor. But when I look at the hygrometer inside the tent, it may only be reading 55%. Yeah, it's um, it's the way it turns, uh, and I don't remember the specific the specifics. When we get into that, uh, when we do an in depth on the AC mm-hmm. Infinity, I will bring up the information and prepare for that one just to remember the specifics. But uh, if I remember, just in a nutshell, it was basically you on that LCD panel. You can't set it to fifty five percent humidity, and it'll, and it won't control it won't control it that way. It'll turn it'll turn on if the humidity gets too high. Yes. But other than that, if the humidity gets too low, it can't take any additional action to resolve that. That's correct. Uh, same with the temperature. So, um, but again, more to come on that. Um, and but environment's been a you know a huge thing, right? <laughs> as we all learn as we go along, and it's everything. Um, you know, I, I've been suffering uh, with some powdery mildew. Um, you know, I've dealt with it kind of on and off over the years. And, um, this time around, it just seems to, uh, want to stick around and, and not go away. So I've been kind of working through the, the handbook, if you will, and trying all these different resolutions, um, you know, milk and water, um, wow. peroxide and, and water. Um, my new thing now that I'm trying is I've taken some water and I've pH it to 8.3, uh, and I've been uh, missing the plants uh, with with that. Um, hmm. We're just starting to get the start of flowers here, so I really wanted to, um, you know, create the in- proper environment that wouldn't allow powdery mildew to continue to flourish. And part of that is creating an acidic uh, leaf surface, right? Uh-huh. So that's kind of the approach I've been taking this time around. We'll see how it goes. I'll keep everybody updated. Um, you know, it uh, it hit me pretty quick, and I wasn't ready for it. Uh, and when I don't have the ability to to check on the plants every day, I, I didn't pick it up right away. So it's been a battle ever since. Um, but um, where the success in all of this is, I've yet to really find it. I haven't eradicated it completely, but uh, learning and going through the process is um, you know huge. I don't have the type of environment that powdery mildew would like. Uh, my humidity is in range. Uh, my airflow is on point, you know, my air extraction is on point. Um, so to, to get it was in the beginning at all was even a little bit surprising. So uh, more to come on that. But uh, one thing I wanted to touch on a little bit, because you used a technique, um, Pache, when, when you started your grow this time around, um, mainlining. And I hadn't heard that, uh, I hadn't really heard the term very frequently, just a couple of times on the internet there. Um, but you really intrigued me. I, I was taking, I was taking the standpoint when you first brought it up, you know, like, Hey man, stick to the basics, right? You just want to stick to the basics first time around. You don't want to complicate things too much, but, uh, I like to complicate know, at things end, <laughs> at, <laughs> at the end of the day, it really worked out well for you. Um, you want to go ahead and just uh, talk about that a little bit? Well, I knew I had to, all the videos were saying, you know, you can't just let your plant grow like a Christmas tree. You know, that's the way the plant wants to grow, but it would be the worst thing you can do for yield and quality. Um, so it was all about bending the plant over 
and letting the offshoots become sort of like the, the new main stems. And I, I struggled with it, man. I really did. I didn't, I remember when it first came time to start bending my, uh, my stems, I didn't know which way to go because I figured there's got to be the best way. Like, there's got to be a preferred way to do it. Um, but I just didn't have the experience. And um, so I started to bend things over and, you know, a week goes by and I'm still doing my research. And then I run across this manifolding mainlining technique where uh, you top the plant in between, you let it grow between four and six nodes and, uh, and nodes, each node is just when the leaves, you know, shoot out from the stem. Um, so once it grows to node number six, you cut it off down to node number four, let's say. And um, which is super counterintuitive. And the first time I did it and I, I saw videos of other people doing it and it was stressful because it's very unnatural to take the plant that you're growing and, cut the top off. And uh, so, but I've never grown anything before. So I was just throwing my faith in uh, those that have traveled the path before me. And uh, so I topped everything. And what that did was the two offshoots became the two new main parts of the stem. And, uh, and they got big and thick and, so I've got a picture up on the screen now and what happens is, and, and we can get more into this uh, in, in depth later, but it, it sort of splits the nutrients evenly throughout the plant and the canopy, all the buds in the canopy are all sort of the same distance from the roots. And so the theory is that the canopy is being evenly fed. And so all the buds are getting the same sort of light. They're, they're getting the same sort of nutrient amounts. Um, yeah. And it, it, it was so satisfying to me and so easy for me to picture it. Um, and I, I loved the, it, it, it was sort of more time at the beginning and less time sort of on the back end. Um, training the plants and all that, I felt a little, you know, Mr. Miyagi ish. I have to, uh, I have to admit. Um, but man, it, uh, I, I've done it for the second grow and I'm going to plan on doing it for the third grow because I'm just getting better at this mainlining technique. And, uh, I, I love it. I, I don't know if I'm going to try any other ways. Um, it just seems super successful. And when you do, you know, when, you take all the steps that you need to take and you are successful, you know, why do it any other way? Right. And, you know, it's uh, impressive to look at and, uh, you know, it, uh, you definitely did a good job with it. Um, have you intrigued me to the point where I want to try it? Well, yes, absolutely. Oh, I'm um, surprised actually. It, all right. <laughs> Cause you were like, yeah. <laughs> let's just see, wait and see what you do. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely impressed with it. Um, the only problem is, is it kind of goes hand in hand with a scrog, right? Yes, very um, much so. And with a DWC system such as I have, um, I can I can build a scrog, but it's going to have to be a one plant scrog, you know, um, that's mounted to the to the top of the uh, net pot that I have. Okay. Um, you know, it's it, I have something in my mind, um, maybe. Well, I've seen some pretty cool, that. um, 
systems or gadgets out there, not even gadgets, like, cause this, like the one I'm thinking of, it's a full on, you know, six foot tall, uh, well, extendable to sit, you know, that tall, um, and, and expandable rings that you tie the plant stems to, like, it's a, it's a system. Um, but we'll yeah. get into that on, on a future, uh, podcast, but, um, we'll do some research and deliver our audience of two <laughs> proper, uh, <laughs> property. So, yeah, I mean, so, you know, growing four plants, right. Recreationally, um, now in, in Nova Scotia and in Canada, um, you know, that's really, that's really something that everybody's kind of slowly getting into, right? Um, they've never sold as much growing equipment in Canada as they are selling now. Um, and it's amazing. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And it's funny because, you know, they go through all this to, um, you know, to legalize cannabis in, in Canada for recreational purposes. And, uh, a lot of the stuff that, that you get, uh, at, the government uh, provided stuff at the liquor store um, is not on par, right? Uh, it's, a lot of it's been around for quite some time. It's, um, you know, being mass produced. Uh, you had any good stuff that you picked up that you just wanted to let everybody know how good it was? No. No, <laughs> me either. You know, I, I, I bought from the, um, the NSLC and I was not impressed with anything that I purchased. Um, I, it, I didn't find it to be very strong. Um, you know, it, it, it got me high when I smoked enough of it, but I also found it to be super harsh on my throat. And, you know, that's, you know, those days are gone. Like, uh, you know, I'm not 20 years old anymore. Uh, and with, with super throat and super lung and all that, it, uh, I'm thinking longevity. I want to enjoy my smoke. I want it to taste nice. I want it to feel smooth on my throat. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost like when you think of somebody who drinks wine or is a wine connoisseur and they're, you know, they, they smell it, they swirl it, they, they watch it, you know, drip down the glass. They, uh, they're looking for the color and, and so many things, uh, to appreciate. And, and I'm really learning, all the different things about appreciating this plant. Yeah. And, um, you know, having fresh cannabis, right. Is something <laughs> that not, not a lot of people realize that's a big key. Um, you told to me about it and blew stuff. me away with it. Yeah. I mean, and it's in, in, until you actually grow your own cannabis and harvest your own cannabis and actually get it while it's extremely fresh. Um, you know, you would never understand because you just don't have access to it in, in any other way, whether it be through the NSLC or any place in Canada or a black market, whatever the case may be. You know, a lot of this stuff is grown and mass produced and then it's shipped around and bagged around and it's under this guy's bed or it's in this guy's warehouse, whatever the case may be. <laughs> and um, uh, over time, this stuff starts to degrade. Uh, it loses its uh, oomph, if you will. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of the time when you're, when you're smoking the stuff, it, you 
can't flick the ash. It keeps going out, doesn't burn properly, right? And all of that stuff is a symbolism of of a bigger problem. Um, maybe things being left, not the plants not being fresh, flushed properly, or um, remnants of uh, pesticide or something that was sprayed on it, um, which can cause the harsh throat. Absolutely, Ooh, that's yeah. consistent with the way I feel, and a lot of other people um, feel right. It's really harsh and just. Uh, doesn't make you feel good. It's like a nasty process, right? It's like you don't get to sit back and enjoy it. And I think that's why, you know, growing your own and having access to uh, to fresh cannabis and and being in control over the drying and the curing stage, Pache, oh. which is what you're kind of which is kind of what you're going through here right now. You're learning a lot, man. That's when it turns from a science to an art. I feel like nice, yeah, nicely said. The, the curing. The drying and the curing process is so interesting. Um, I, I've done a lot of, I want to say research, like I, like a scientist or something, but I watched a lot of videos um, mm-hmm. on YouTube. So and you're YouTube certified. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, YouTuber expert in lots <laughs> of stuff now. Um, and man, the curing process, it's um, like my second grow. I would not allow myself to even taste it um, until after it's been dried uh, for two weeks and then cured for 30 days. And, and so that's six weeks after I've harvested. And so, Oh, it was just killing me to wait that long, but man, the longer you wait, the sweeter it gets. And, and, and I've just caught myself just opening my jars and just sticking my face and just, and just smelling that beautiful, beautiful, sweet scent. And it's just, wow. Oh my God. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, can we get a maroon here? Wow. That just, uh, it, thanks for that. Yeah. It was an experience. Man. <laughs> I, I can tell it was. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, and, and, and that's the thing, right? When you're in control over that, um, you know, you, you can get it to um, a humidity that, that you're happy with, uh, you know, maintain the, the terps, right? So they don't evaporate off. Um, and that's a big part of it too, right? That, that, that smell that you describe, right? That deep smell that, that you're ogling over, that's all of the terpenes, um, like which the terpenes. still exist which still exist in the cannabis, right? Uh, maintaining those terps is, is, a, is the part of flavor and smell and aroma, right? Um, so having them in jars, airtight jars, that's, you know, the best way to store it. Because if you keep it in a plastic bag or any, anything else that's not airtight, that stuff just evaporates off until there's nothing left, and you're, then you're just left with the, you know the plant material and the trichromes, which there's still lots of good stuff in there, but you've lost access to the terpenes. And uh, some of the terpenes are medicinal, some are um, you know regulatory. So, um, but you know having access to uh, to, to homegrown uh, and good quality homegrown is going to be a big part moving forward, based upon the prices that they're charging. You know, it's, um, I feel like they did this wrong when, um, you know, when they legalized it in Canada, instead of, um, making it government controlled, they created a brand new, um, market and then took a monopoly over it instantly. Um, you know, wasn't the way to go. They should have just allowed everybody to step up and sell their product. Uh, it was already in motion 
you know, set a tax rate of 15 or 22% or whatever the case may be, and just say, all right, everybody send us your tax. Uh, they would have been able to, um, to, to refocus the revenue from the black market um, back into the government coffers and they missed it. Uh, what they did this time is they've made cannabis available at the liquor store uh, at a, at a premium price with a low quality product. Um, but they've made it available to people who couldn't necessarily get it before because they weren't connected to the black market in some way or didn't know somebody that was. Sure. So these, you know, this is this kind of the, my opinion on this, if you will. Um, and now we still have a black market that's functioning, that's taking care of people at a, at a discounted rate, um, you know, and, and everybody just kind of proceeds as normal. Um, that's still happening every day. Um, but the purpose of us kind of getting together every week is we want to just talk to the home grower, right? We want to talk to somebody that is looking for a quality product, somebody that's looking for uh, information into specific, uh, t- you know, topics that, that we uh, have some information on. Um, you know, open up a form so we can kind of learn together and identify uh, problems, um, you know, with with plants and and uh, figure out how to get things back on track. And if we can get together and have a laugh each week and, um, you know, share some information that may help somebody, um, then it's a win. Right. And I think that's kind of the goal, Paul, when me and you got together and started first talking about this, it was just kind of a form to, um, you know, bring some new information to light and, uh, you know, talk about some things. Absolutely, man. Because it, uh, like I said, my first grow, it was, uh, at the beginning when I was going through those issues, it was stressful because I had, I put a lot of money into getting this stuff up and running, you know, with the tent and the light and the fan and, um, all, all the extra little things like the pots and the soil and the clippers and hygrometers and whatnot. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, it, you just want to do your best. Well, you know, I, I do. And I suspect everybody that grows wants to do their best. Um, and there wasn't really any place to go except for YouTube. And, you know, luckily I knew somebody, I knew you and I've got another buddy in Ontario who grows and I, I was getting his help as well. Um, but yeah, so I'm glad if anybody can listen to what we say and, get a benefit and have it help them, then that is fantastic. I mean, I'm doing it so you and I can chat and shoot the shit and have fun and laugh. And uh, hopefully we're also going to be doing a lot of learning as well. Maybe uh, people will hear what what we're doing and say, Hey, listen, I ran into that too. And I found this worked for me. And why don't you guys give it a shot? Uh, That's right. That would really excite And it's a great time, you know, to remind anybody that might be listening to go to www.planttherapy.live, scroll down to the bottom of the page and um, go ahead and sign up on our website. Um, That way we can keep in communication with what we're doing uh, moving forward when we're releasing uh, new episodes, what topics that we're going to talk about. So um, maybe it's something that you're struggling with and maybe it's coming up this week, uh, you know, uh, for conversation and you could join us and that would be fantastic but it all starts with signing up on our website um you know and i just want to say as well we're not just going to talk about home growing um indoor home growing we're going to talk about outdoor home growing as well uh and that's where the bulk of my experience comes into play um i know we're running out of time for today's episode but if there's anybody on the east coast of canada or in uh, the usa that might be uh, listening to this topic i know um just very quickly we've been struggling with humidity uh, very high humidity levels here in uh, on the East Coast uh, for July. And, um, 
a lot of my guys and people that I'm in contact with, we're getting, we're getting mold already in July, you know, with the f- very first uh, flowers that are starting, it's been a problem, um, you know, so that's something that um, we're going to talk about in depth. I've got some tips uh, and some tricks that we can use to, um, you know, to hopefully avoid some of that. Uh, and I'm going to share that with you. It's something that I've struggled with uh, outdoors for years and years and years. Uh, and, um, there's some tweaks and some things that we've been able to do along the way that minimize the casualties in mold season. Um, it's not, not all years are great. Some years are better than others, but, uh, we finish, right? And, uh, I think that's going to be the number one takeaway for today's episode. You know, you stick with us. We're going to talk about everything. Um, and our biggest, um, you know, at least my biggest uh, strong point is, is that, Every single grow that I've set out to do um, from from my the start of my experience has been successful. Uh, I've been able to work through all of the problems, and I think that that's just given me um, a special ability, um, you know, with research and, uh, and and getting things back on track. And history starting to show that uh, I've been successful at that. So um, we're going to outline how I shared this information with Pache and how that brought him to, um, uh, you know, a very good harvest. Uh, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to get something, um, you know, to take away uh, for your home grow as well. Any closing thoughts there, Pache? Um, no, I hope everybody has a great week coming up and, uh, you know, stay positive and uh, I look forward to the next one. All right. And once again, my name is Ray. And I'm Pache. And join us every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for uh, planttherapy.live and our uh, episodes to come. Thank you very much. Thank you.